the thing that surprised me the most when I started working for the project was the high percentage of litigants that are uh, unrepresented. Mm. Um, that really surprised me. I had this idea of a courtroom that everyone who walked into a courtroom had a lawyer, and whether it was a legal aid lawyer or someone they'd hired themselves, I, I had no idea before I started working for this project that you could even represent yourself. Right. Some judges are mean. There are some times, that, some cases that I've read and you really feel for the SRL. For me, it was just like exactly how difficult it is for SRLs mm. because they're already going through this whole process without legal training or knowledge and then they come up with like extra barriers almost in the way that they are treated sometimes. Hello and welcome to Jumping Off the Ivory Tower with Prof. Julie Mack. My name is Dana Cornwall and I'm the Project Coordinator at the National Self-Represented Litigants Project at the Windsor Law School. And I'm Julie McFarlane, the Director of the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And we're really excited about this episode today because it is very close to home for us. Kind of a family show today. It is a family show. It felt like a family show <laughs> uh, recording it. We decided that we wanted to do an episode uh, talking to our three research assistants who are graduating this year. Now, we've got many more research assistants. Coming up behind. Yes, and they're all fabulous. But today, we talked particularly to our three graduating RAs who are about to launch their legal careers. So we decided to round them up and have a conversation. Today on the podcast, we're talking with three people who have been working at the National Self-Represented Litigants Project for, I don't know, a combined total of probably five or six years, if we add up all the time you've all spent with us. Three law students who are about to graduate this summer and who we're going to miss very much at the project next year. And I'd like to talk to them a little bit today about what they've learned working at the project and how they're going to take it forward into their legal practice. So we have Becky Robinette. Hi. Sandra Shoshani. Hello. And Lydia Imbrogniel. Hello. So the first thing I want to ask you guys is I'm curious about how much you knew or understood about self-represented litigants as part of the access to justice crisis before you started working for the project, how much you had heard about self-representation, maybe how much of a surprise some of what you learned in those first few weeks when you had your orientation and started to get deep into the research and the literature at the project. So just, just tell me a little bit about what you understood before you actually started working at the project. Um, so I uh, didn't learn really about it in first year, except for the brief orientation. But I did learn a little bit about it in second year in my legal profession class taught by Noel Semple. He talked about limited scope retainers briefly mm -hmm. um, for a short time in the semester. So that was probably the first I'd really learned about self-represented litigants. And Becky and I took the same legal pro class, so I was in the same boat. I do remember orientation and Julie being one of the speakers and bringing up uh, the entire SRL issue. And I made a note about it, but unfortunately, I never crossed paths with the topic again in school until later on. Until you applied for this job. Until I applied for the RA job, yeah, in the summer. So it was last summer. And again, it was like back to back, hearing about it in legal pro and then seeing the position. And I'm like, yes, I do remember this, but not a lot of exposure in first year, that's for sure. Hmm. And you? Lydia? 
Well, I was at the same orientation as Sandra, but for some reason, I don't remember. I don't think I was there for when you spoke. So when I... I am outraged. You I forgot know. me. I don't know what, it, what I was doing, but I, I, people have said before, oh, you must have heard about it in Dr. McFarland's orientation. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. Like, I don't think I was there or I missed that day or we were doing something else. Or, so we I were apologize. Skipping. However, it didn't take us very long to find Lydia. Yes, so I did see the position advertised recently, like, closely after school started, and uh, so I was a fresh 1L in the fall, and I didn't know anything about the law at all, let alone the gigantic problems with the legal system, and so uh, I saw the, the posting, and I did a little bit of research, and what's very interesting is that before my interview, I spoke to a lot of law professors and I spoke to some lawyers about, you know, I had this interview with this professor and this is the work she does. And I got to get a very good idea from the legal profession before even having my interview uh, of what the the profession thinks of SRLs. And Which was? Well, it was diverse. You know, mm-hmm. some, some professors were talking about it. You know, we do a lot of great work here. SRLs are, you know, they need a lot of help. They need more funding. They need access to justice. Um, I heard from other people, oh, my gosh, you want to help those people? They're awful. They tie up the court system. They're a waste of resources. So you knew it was going to be controversial territory. Yes, I did. And I should actually say that Lydia was hired, I think, by the project in her third week of law school. Yeah. <laughs> so she has worked for us throughout the, the three years of her of her law degree. And Sandra and Becky have worked, I think, for us for the last year or 18 months. About a year. Yeah. yeah. A year and a half for me, yeah. So was there anything that particularly stands out for any of you that you were really surprised to learn? when you join the project and you know we do give you a certain amount of literature to read to kind of get you into some of the facts and figures and so forth is there anything that really stands out for you that surprised you that you learned in those first few weeks or months some judges are mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i do understand uh that judicial resources are something that we need to be wary of and we need to take the court's time very seriously but there are some times that some cases that I've read and you really feel for the SRL and you try to see their perspective of, you know, the four parameters that we look at, procedural fairness, I mean being labeled vexatious when clearly it's not them trying to impede the trial or anything like that, and you have a judge's decision that's just heavily worded and it's just like what why are you taking that perspective on it? But hmm. Becky, um, anything? For me it was just like exactly how difficult it is for SRLs mm. because they're already going through this whole process without legal training or knowledge and then they come up with like extra barriers almost in the way that they are treated sometimes um, it's just like a really really tough process and I think it's Life even is hard. harder mm. yeah it's even harder for SRLs than it is for like new lawyers yeah Lydia, you got anything to add? I would say the thing that surprised me the most when I started working for the project was the high percentage of litigants that are un- unrepresented. Mm. Um, that really surprised me. I had this idea of a courtroom that everyone who walked into a courtroom had a lawyer, and whether it was a legal aid lawyer or someone they'd hired themselves, I, I had no idea before I started working for this project that you could even represent yourself. Right. And the other thing that really surprised me was that um, people don't generally want to be representing themselves. They uh, they find themselves being forced into it, and I think that that's probably the biggest misconception mm. that uh, really became clear to me when I started working on the project was the dire situation that many people are in when they're forced to represent themselves. Yeah, and I think both, if I remember correctly, 
both Lydia and Becky, you have worked for a while on one of our project jobs, which is answering the Gmail and yes. looking at what people send in and ask about. Um, you know, this is a job that takes immense amounts of time and patience, obviously. We can't give people legal advice, but we can try to direct them to resources and try to be sympathetic. Um, and in a way, it's a little bit of a baptism of fire, I always feel, to ask somebody to do that job because you're seeing people in, kind of really in the raw coming for help. Yeah, I mean, it's been really eye-opening taking over the Gmail. I've only been doing it for the last few months, but people have so many questions about so mm. many different things, and it's it's really eye-opening all of the different areas they need help with and just how much help they need and the struggle. Like, there's so many really sad, frustrating stories. There's also some really good stories. Like, you get an email that says, like, I just won my case. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you so much. So that that's, it's also really nice to do. It's a nice job. We see all of human life through that e that Gmail, I think. Yes. So you've all of you worked on different projects and because one of the things we try to do is move people around and give you different experiences. Um, I'm curious to know if you could pick one project you've worked on or one job you've had of the, the many that you've had at NSRLP. What do you feel the most proud of and what do you feel you learned the most doing? I would say my work with the CLD, primarily I have been working but with let's this. Let's give the initial Oh, sorry, names. yes. Uh, the case law database, right. a.k.a. Lydia's baby. Yeah. Um, Can I just explain the case yeah. law database, which is not really Lydia's baby, we just right. refer to it as that, yes. is the project that began about a year ago um, with some very generous funding from uh, the Legal Research Foundation of British Columbia and now the Law Foundation of Ontario, which is looking at the jurisprudence that's developing around issues involving SRLs, so particular parameters have been set. Um, Lydia developed a whole system of analyzing these cases and inputting data. And this is something we're going to be unveiling in the next little while. So Sandra, yes. you've worked on this. Yes, for sure. And I mean, I can't believe I spent the majority of my law school career avoiding reading cases. And <laughs> it's been a, a wonderful 18 months or so reading cases, but for a purpose. So that definitely was the motive behind doing all the work. And some of the cases were dreadful, 70, 75 pages. But then you have those eight page cases that are full of content and full of useful mm -hmm. information. And every time, you know, we, we've revamped the survey or we've edited the questionnaire, even more ideas and more important information comes forth so just to see that grow and being a part of it that was absolutely amazing and it was such a great experience for sure and very important work because it's it really I think important to be tracking the yeah. developing trends and the jurisprudence and as I said stay posted we're going to be unveiling some of these uh, short research reports and ultimately the whole database in the fall yeah. for me it's definitely the transcript project um, it's not out yet, obviously we're still working on it, but I've really got to put myself in the shoes of an SRL. Um, just Do you want to explain what you're doing in the yeah. project? So the Transcripts Project, um, myself and Kayla, another RA, are trying to compile the information um, to get a transcript in each province from each level of court. So a transcript of the court proceeding or a hearing that an SRL um, was in. Um, 
so it's been really difficult. Some provinces are much easier than others, um, but some provinces you you just can't find the information. And I've had mm -hmm. to go way beyond the court website, reach out to lawyers or others who maybe have gotten the transcripts themselves. Um, and it's just been really intense and um, sometimes really frustrating. Um, but I've learned a lot, and it really has given me the sort of SRL experience. Standing in their shoes. Yeah. And uh, just a note on that, we're going to be bringing out um, Becky and Kayla's work is going to come out in the form of a research report, but also a, a document to help SRLs find their way through these processes in each, in each province. So look for that shortly as well. Lydia. You've probably had the largest variety of jobs in the last three <laughs> years that you've been here. Yes, I have. Um, so as it's already been highlighted, I would say that the case law database has been something that I've been very proud of. I've been working on it since the beginning, watching it grow to having input 205 uh, self-represented yes. litigants cases uh, and assessing everything from costs to procedural fairness has been very, very exciting um, and I think useful. It will be useful for judges, for lawyers, for SRLs, for um, reporting purposes. Um, but I would have to say that uh, another huge highlight of working on this project was that we started the self-represented litigants certificate program mm. in the law school, which has been, uh, we've done it two years in a row now. Um, so we, we put out a call out at the beginning of the year and law students sign up for this uh, basically four hour training, if you will, that is interactive. There's some, I guess, lecturing. We have, uh, we do some brainstorming. So at the end of it, we always come, we always get really great ideas from the students about things we can do with the project. Uh, and at the end of it, the students are, as we say, SRL certified. And so they can go into their practice knowing that they have a basic understanding of the hurdles and barriers that SRLs face, which for uh, a law student and for a, a, a junior lawyer, I think is very important to at least have in any type of practice, a basic understanding of those barriers. Um, because if you are dealing with clients at all, chances are someone will ask for unbundled services or you may be on, uh, you may have opposing counsel be self-represented. So I think that that is great that we've opened up this door for, for a number of law students and I hope it continues for many years to come. <laughs> We shall make sure it will. Now, the other thing that's a little bit unusual about the three of you is that you are all staying in Windsor to practice law, which I have to say makes myself and Dana very, very happy. <laughs> I, I, I think that people would probably be really interested, though, to hear what kind of a difference, if any, to your plans for practice and the way you think about practice and the kind of legal services you want to provide, has it made for you to work in the project? You know, we talked at the beginning about how a lot of this was very new information for you when you first started. And I've had conversations with, of course, all of you over time about this. But say a little bit about how it's affected the choices that you're making now in terms of moving forward into practice. Sandra, do you want to start? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Lydia put it best. It's a sense of understanding that we gained working in this project, and it's the awareness that's important. So 
something as you know intimate as the certificate workshop that will definitely grow if that kind of awareness is spread throughout the field so I would be more than happy to have these conversations with future colleagues and find a way to incorporate it into my own practice I'm currently working at an immigration law firm and I don't know if we can call it unbundled services but it is some of our legal fees are case specific and I do appreciate that kind of approach so I I can see myself you know implementing that kind of fee plan as well to any kind of service that I may provide whatever it may be in the future. Becky? Um, for me it's definitely the way you offer services and what services you offer um, that will change but I think it's also the way I would interact with SRLs mm. because I didn't know anything about them before so I may not have known like oh I can point them in the right direction or send them these resources or say like hey there's a huge network out there for you to contact so I think rather than just like saying like oh like that sucks that you're an SRL but I don't know anything about it now I'll be able to say like I can't maybe I can't help you specifically but here's what you can do to help yourself great point Olivia it became very important to me when I was going on interviews to hear how my employers, my potential employers, were reacting to my work with the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And I have to say honestly that um, you know, you you have the places that you really want to work, and I'm very happy with the the firm that uh, I will be articling at. And quite frankly, a big part of why I enjoyed their company and I enjoyed their interviews so much and why I wanted to work with them was because they were very supportive of the work that I do. Um, they were very empathetic when I talked about uh, access to justice, what SRLs go through, and that was so unbelievably important to me because didn't go Lawyer like that in all the interviews. No, and <laughs> I mean, lawyers don't hide how they feel about SRLs. and. Um, in an interview, what would they have to hide anything from me about? You know, there's a huge power imbalance when you're standing or sitting across a boardroom table from someone interviewing you. And so you hear very honest opinions about um, about this work. I don't know if the two of you did as well, but I, I certainly did. For and sure. um, it meant a lot to me that the people that I'm going to be working for um, had truly kind and empathetic things to say about SRLs because uh, I, I think that that speaks a lot to to who they'll be, who they'll be working with, and who they are as lawyers. And I have to say that I'm very proud that I know this was something that all of you made clear was important to you when you were being interviewed. And I think that's that's terrific. Uh, it's, it's a real testament to you. And I hope that in the coming years you're going to be able to do more work around access to justice, all of you. So just to close, what are you going to miss the most about working at the NSRLP? And our don't meetings. say the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> well, as part of our meetings, but definitely our meetings. But it's just it was such a great way to regroup and share our thoughts and to really make sure that we're all on the same page and that we're understanding everything. I mean, one of my biggest fears was I know absolutely nothing compared to everybody else. You know, you always have that impulse. Well, when you syndrome, start any job, any right. job, right? So it's just the way you guys all made me feel and you embraced me and you really made me feel like I, I grasped the knowledge and, and the understanding and you helped me learn how to read a case more than any other class I ever took in law school. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So I'll definitely, I'll miss that mentorship and that friendship and our weanings. I hope we get cookies in the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'm definitely going to miss the team, too. That's the number one. Um, it's such a great team, and it's full of strong women and now one man. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but I'm also going to miss, I like the Gmail. It's really important to me. I like interacting with SRLs and talking to people about their experiences, and I think I'm really going to miss that, too. Well, that's a pretty amazing statement, Becky, given just how much work it is answering all those Gmails. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's wonderful that you yeah. say that. Lydia, what are you going to miss? Oh, I think I'm going to miss the feeling that um, I'm doing something that now I've done for three, you know, full years of law school and something that I've become very passionate about and comfortable with. And, uh, you know, when you start articling, it's going to be all brand new. So I'll no longer be the senior research assistant <laughs> at the NSRLP. I'll be the articling student mm -hmm. at the firm so uh, I think I'll miss uh, I think I'll miss the work the most so Lydia's basically saying she's going to miss being in charge I'm gonna miss being the boss <laughs> you can still send us emails though yeah but yeah. not on New Year's Eve yeah I've sent emails to the team on New Year's Eve and, and Christmas Eve so I'm sure my new firm will be happy about that so, uh, you know, we wanted to do this podcast really to showcase the incredible work that the students do for the NSRLP. I'm not sure whether people really understand, although I say it many times, but I want to make sure that, you know, people do get this, that the work that comes out of the NSRLP and the various research reports and primers and the podcast and the blogs, all of these pieces are the result of efforts of law students as research assistants at NSRLP. And, you know, it's a phenomenal body of work, one that I am incredibly proud of on your behalf, and I hope you'll go on being proud of in the future. So I, I think I almost wrote down everything that they said. Um, I was sitting in the room as, as you were recording this conversation and I was taking, again, copious notes. And they all said such, they had such great responses to all of your questions. Yeah. But one of the things that I particularly liked was when you asked them what about the information that we have on SRLs stood out to them most when they first started. Right. What uh, were they surprised about? Yeah. What yeah. took them back or took them aback? And uh, so Sandra said, uh, we really liked her line that some judges are mean. Mm -hmm. And we want to point out that she said some judges. Absolutely. Not and, all judges. And Sandra would like to underscore the some part as well. Yes. Yeah. She was very uh, concerned that we underscore that. And then Becky said it struck her just how difficult it is to be an SRL. Yes. And Linnea mentioned kind of in relation to that, that how many people are self-representing and that also they're not enjoying themselves, right. that they don't the volume. want to be doing it. Right. Yes. So those kind of four-ish things taken together, what really struck me about it was that those are exactly the same things that members of the public say. And frankly, the things that I said and thought when I started in this position, mm -hmm. coming without any kind of legal experience, having never represented myself or really had any interaction with the justice system. And that's those are the same things that when I talk to friends and family about our work, that's what they say as well, that kind of disbelief. And it really struck me that these were all law students who, granted, Lydia was a few weeks into to law school, but she had been interested in law school and in law. Um, but Sandra and Becky were 
18 months uh, yeah, halfway 18 through. Yeah, months halfway through. Mm-hmm. And they said exactly the same things. And it, it really kind of struck me that even law students who yeah. had some more of an understanding of the legal system than the general public were taken aback yeah. by these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their earlier remarks as well about um, whether they had come across discussions about self-represented litigants in law school, um, I think, reflect the same thing, that Mm -hmm. we are still, um, I don't know, insulating, protecting, I don't know what it is, law students from some of the reality of this, and it needs to be talked about more, which is why we began the certificate program, of course. The other thing that struck me about what they said, as, you know, the endless researcher that I am, was that those points taken together, I'm only representing myself because I have to, I'm not enjoying it, um, the high volume of self-represented litigants, the difficulty of navigating the system, and the fact that sometimes people have a really bad time appearing mm-hmm. before a judge, those are exactly the same key points that we hear from self-represented litigants. In other words, there's a sort of perfect reflection in some ways in what these RAs discovered when they started doing this work and what self-represented litigants say themselves. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing that we really liked about what they had to say was when you asked how working for the NSRLP has influenced their career plans or the way they will view their work in the Mm. legal profession. These were great answers. They were so wonderful. Mm. All three of them said something different. And we didn't prep them, by the way. Not at all. No, no coaching here. No coaching. They all said something different and something wonderful. So Lydia said that for her, it was really important to see how potential employers reacted to her experience with the NSRLP. And she said that lawyers don't hide how they feel about SRLs. Right. And so she she found that if the potential employer reacted with empathy, it told her a lot about whether that was the kind of person that she wanted to work for. Yeah, I... I when Lydia went through her articling interviews, um, I just felt so proud of her because she she put right out there that she was doing this work and she was very clear that she recognized this as an access to justice crisis. And she certainly decided that there were some firms that she would not fit into because of the very negative reaction towards the SRLs in general and, you know, by reflection, some of the work that she'd been doing. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was a very courageous and principled way to approach getting a job and also very sensible because she ends up somewhere where she has a values fit. Yeah. Uh, And then Sandra said for her, what the NSRLP has given her is a sense of understanding and awareness of uh, access to justice issues and self-representation specifically. And that makes her more than happy, as she said, to have conversations with colleagues who may have misconceptions and still be holding on to those stereotypes about SRLs. Yeah. I thought that it was interesting that, that Sandra went immediately to this idea of talking to colleagues, because I think this is going to be so important for how the legal profession responds to mm. SRLs. You know, at the moment, there's a lot of sort of polarization between people who are willing to talk about SRLs and consider constructive ideas and those who are just extremely antipathetic towards the idea. And she went right away to the fact that 
she now, armed with some knowledge and experience, wanted to be able to talk to colleagues to open up that conversation, move the conversation forward. So again, great answer. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, Becky, uh, she talked about how this work has changed Uh, the way she would offer services and what kind of legal services she would offer and how she will interact with SRLs when they inevitably uh, crop up in in her professional world. And that now she is armed with both an empathy, which we would say Becky has in spades. She mm-hmm. does such a wonderful job of responding kindly to all of the Gmails that come in, but also with suggestions, practical suggestions for where people can go and uh, what resources they can access. Yeah, I, I just loved how she translated this right away into how she might offer different kinds of services herself in practice. And, you know, Becky said earlier on in the conversation, I think, that she was really going to miss the Gmail yes. and miss her conversations with SRLs and, you know, how demanding that job of answering all the Gmails is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was fantastic that she still has empathy and she's yeah. going to take that with her on into her practice. It's so wonderful. And we just want to end this conversation by saying how much we love these RAs and how much we're going to miss them. All three of them have brought something absolutely wonderful to our team. And we know they're all three going to have just wonderful careers and we're we're excited for them at this, this new stage in their lives. And we're proud to have been a little part of launching them. In other news, NSRLP has been in the news quite a bit this past week, and we would like to draw your attention to two pieces in particular, in case you haven't seen them. First, the most recent issue of Canadian Lawyer magazine contains a good article on the controversy over expanding the role of paralegals in family law matters in Ontario, an issue that the NSRLP has championed in order to offer family litigants more affordable choices for legal assistance. The article quotes Julie at some length, as well as others who have advocated for the implementation of this important recommendation from last year's Boncalo report. Some space is also given over to the familiar refrain of the naysayers, who suggest, in what has become familiar, vague, and ominous terms, that paralegal expansion is a bad idea that they are sure will not produce any worthwhile outcomes. Perhaps this argument would be more convincing if it were more substantive and less self-interested. Nonetheless, Canadian lawyers Michael McKiernan does a much better job than most of the legal journalism on this topic over the past year of setting out the issues and providing a balanced analysis. So we recommend you take a look. And second, Julie was interviewed by Michael Enright on CBC's Sunday edition last weekend. Their conversation offers a fact-based summary of the SRL crisis why it's happening, why neither legal aid nor pro bono programs can provide a solution to the scale of the problem, and responses from both the legal profession and the bench. Julie describes some of the initiatives that NSRLP is advocating for, and above all, the need for a complete system approach to a problem that is faced by more and more Canadians, and that requires more than Band-Aid solutions. If you haven't yet listened, we recommend that you take 20 minutes to do so. As always, you can find the links to these stories on our webpage, representingyourselfcanada.com slash podcast. And that's it for jumping off the ivory tower this week. We'll be taking a quick break next week to give ourselves a chance to work on upcoming episodes for the rest of this season. So there will be no new episode on April 3rd, but tune in the following week on April 10th 
for one of the episodes we're most excited about this season. I hope I've piqued your interest. See you in two weeks.